Welcome to Chaplain Stories, sacred stories from the front lines of ministry. My name is Chaplain Caleb McCary, and we are going to be talking to chaplains about their stories, living out their calling and ministering to military personnel. I'm so glad to have you joining us as we talk about faith, life, and ministry with our guests. Well, welcome to Chaplain Stories. This is Chaplain McCary, and I have a very special guest with me today. And I just want to say by way of disclaimer that the opinions that we express in this interview are <laughs> my own or the opinions of my guest. And we do have a very special guest with us today. So, sir, would you take a minute and just introduce yourself and tell me the position that you're currently holding? Well, hello, everybody. My name is Bill Kello. I'm the division chaplain for 3rd Infantry Division here at Fort Stewart, Georgia. All right. Well, one of the things that is most interesting about talking to chaplains is the stories of how they came into the chaplaincy. And so I'd like to know, sir, what did you do before you became a chaplain? <laughs> well, Coming out of high school, I had a basketball scholarship to the University of Texas at Arlington. So I played basketball for three years and went to school. How tall are you, sir? Six nine. In Makes the morning. sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but I, I was a failure when it came to basketball and being a student athlete. And one of the best things that ever happened to me my third year was the basketball coach called me into his office and kicked me off the team. Well, I had to grow up really fast. Here I was, 20 years old had no way to, to afford school, nor was I even motivated about school. And that's when I joined the Army the first time as an infantryman. And I remember the recruiter asking me at the MEP station, well, what skill do you want to learn? And I said, I don't want to learn a skill. If I wanted to learn something, I would have stayed in college. The signed me up as 11 Bravo, which is an infantryman, sent me to Airborne School and sent me to a Ranger Battalion. So I came here to Fort Stewart Hunter Army Airfield back in the summer of 87 and spent the next two and a half years there at 1st Range Battalion. I got out, I went back to school to finish up my finance degree because I was thinking I was going to be a finance professor and met my wife, went off to graduate school and God was calling on me, hitting on me, reminding me of where I had came from and I had strayed from that path for the longest time. Started going back to church and during that time received a call into the ministry. And at the same time, as I understood that call, I was teaching economics at Texas Tech and at South Plains Junior College. And that call was not only to the ordained ministry, but I felt right back to the military. The military had been good for me. It was very disciplined time. So too, come from a very undisciplined lifestyle to come to the army I felt like this calling from God was not only his calling but also a tip of the hat to the army they had been so good for me for three years it's time for me to go back and if that first tour was only three years we would see and I'd go back and be a local church minister um, which I had been for three years before I came on active duty but uh, the rest is history I stayed in and they kept me in and he kept me safe, and now I'm coming up to my 21st year and retiring this summer. Well, what's your denominational background? United Methodist. Okay. And so uh, when, you met you, when you met your wife, that was uh, when you were between 
your initial service in becoming a chaplain. <laughs> it was. So what did she think about you pursuing uh, the chaplaincy? <laughs> well, that was funny. She, uh, when, I pers- when, I, when I think about pursuing the chaplaincy, I look at it also as pursuing the ordained ministry because they all happen about the same time. We were both at Lubbock, Texas, at Texas Tech University. We were married, and when I told her that I'd been chewing on this for so long, oh my, and when I, I was scared to tell her, but once I figured out that that's where God was leading me, I told her, she says, I don't know what took you so long. I saw that in you for for the longest time, and I went, really? And, and so we had a a good debate about that, not so much about the calling, but why it was taking so long, what were some of the struggles I was going through spiritually to become an ordained minister and a chaplain. And, but in the United Methodist Church, it's a five-year process just to be ordained, much less endorsed, three years of seminary, two years of civilian experience just to get ordained. And you have to have that just to be eligible to apply for the Army as a chaplain. And so for three years, I served as a local church pastor, and we didn't know what the chaplaincy would look like. I became a chaplain candidate, served in the Texas Army National Guard, and, but we weren't sure if it was going to be active duty or reserve or guard. And then finally, one summer, we took a two-week vacation and just went and visited all the southern posts here in the United States, from Fort Benning to Fort Polk, Fort Bragg, and Fort Campbell. And she said, she said, you're thinking about going active duty, aren't you? I went, yeah. And so she was excited about that, but um, uh, the rest is history. What do you think of the, your, your pastoral experience? So you pastored for a few years before coming on active duty. Uh, were you a, a senior pastor? <laughs> I was, and the only pastor at two rural United Methodist churches there in Central Texas. Do you feel like that was a, a, a help to you oh, in yeah. coming on to active duty? Oh, mercy me, yes. Well, one, I wanted to be a local church minister, and the bishop of the Methodist Church there in the Central Texas Conference was very gracious to appoint me to those two churches, and I was about as green as a blade of grass. And so, but they were very gracious. They were used to having student pastors and first-time pastors and so forth. And so they were very kind and gracious, which was I needed because I needed to hone my skills. I needed to experience ministry in very difficult situations where people are dying, uh, preaching every week, um, just having to work with a bunch of other Christians and their volunteer and what they do. So it was very helpful. Not that I was any good at it, but it was very helpful. <laughs> I'm always curious about that because I know not just a few years ago when I was starting out and when I was uh, <laughs> getting ready to come into the chaplaincy, I did not understand my endorsers, um, why they were so adamant on two years of post-seminary ministry experience. Mm-hmm. And then I went and pastored for two years and came into the chaplaincy, and every single day, I am thankful for those two years of, of preaching every day in that that little Baptist church. Oh, uh, amen. I would agree. It's not because we will necessarily be successful, 
but I think it's a great way to be in ministry beforehand, practice being in ministry as a clergy versus experiencing that for the first time on active duty. The active duty chaplaincy is a unique ministry and it's hard enough, or it's a very dynamic ministry, cultural shock. And one cultural shock is enough <laughs> to have two of them, another one becoming a clergy for the first time. I can definitely appreciate those of us who have gone on before. Well, what year did you become a chaplain on active duty? Oh, that was December of 1998. December 98. And what was your first unit? Second of the 504th Parachute Infantry Regiment there at Fort Bragg. So where I had been an airborne infantry ranger here at Hunter Army Airfield, eight years later come back on active duty and got to go back to an airborne unit, which was pretty neat. Well, very good. So I want to just uh, ask you a few questions about what you did as a chaplain. And the first thing I want to know is what was the most physically challenging thing that you've <laughs> done as a chaplain? Oh, that's easy. And for the last, I've been a chaplain since 98, so it's 18 years. Uh, but physically, the hardest thing is just keeping my weight. Believe it or not, in the Army, we have to maintain a certain weight for a certain height. And I may be 6'9 and allowed a lot of weight, but just to maintain and stay under that weight has been the, the hardest thing. I can put up with road marches, staying up late. Um, but that's been the, the biggest challenge. Thankfully, I've made it all the way through, but I can tell I don't have many more um, years before I, I have challenges with that. But the physical fitness, even though I had played college basketball, I wasn't that great of an athlete. And then to come on active duty, I was a terrible runner. And in the infantry units, you're expected to maintain a minimum standard of running, like four miles at a nine minute pace at most units. And there'd be sometimes I, I would even fall out, which was a, not the best course of action. But at the same time, I also had battalion commanders who would tell me, chaplain, I'm not hiring you to be a runner. I'm hiring you to be our chaplain. Just work on your run. And, and I did. But I think one of my saving graces physically was I may have been a poor runner, but I was a great road marcher. And they would see me out road marching with the troops. And so running was not my gift, but road marching was physically. And I think that's one way we can all adapt. We all have our weaknesses. The challenge is use our strengths to mitigate some of those weaknesses. So you were able to find a, a niche, even though the running wasn't your strong suit, no. able to, to ruck march out there yes. with the soldiers. Definitely, definitely. Well, having been a chaplain for, for a while, I'm sure that you have encountered some uh, very spiritually challenging uh, times, events. What would you say is one of the most spiritually challenging things that you've experienced as a chaplain? <laughs> I can think of two. One was, it started off at Fort Bragg, but I found that every unit since then is the same, or, or I face the same challenge. And you can call it a spiritual challenge, but the there was a culture in that unit at that time where the profanity that was just shared throughout the unit, whether it be in the motor pool and defect on the runs, was just crazy. And I remember one time actually standing up in the middle of the defect, the dining facility, after listening to cussing going on in the serving line all around me. And so I remember standing up 
and calling the place to attention and then <laughs> introducing myself as the new chaplain. So I was kind of green, but at the same time, it's like, what are they going to do? Kick me out? They're, I'm going to be here three years. And I introduced myself and I just told them, I said, just because y'all are a bunch of infantrymen doesn't mean you have to use profane words. Uh, it's like y'all are defecating out of your mouth onto your food and then I have to listen to it. <laughs> and, and boy, everybody was quiet and I only spoke four sentences. And, uh, and I said to use God's name in vain is not right and to use derivatives of the word mother and other words that come together. And well, they were very quiet and then I said, okay, that's all, thank you. And I sat back down and started eating. It was very quiet. And then they just went back to talking. And so that was a challenge. And I remember uh, each day I send out a daily devotion, a one-sentence quote, a one-sentence scripture, a one-sentence prayer. And the day after that, I sent out two paragraphs. One on how using God's name in vain is not a good thing to do, even in the infantry. And the other one is, if the only way you can lead your soldiers is by being profane, you're a bad leader. And I got so many positive comments, but that was a spiritual challenge for me because, wow, here I was addressing a bunch of people and what I thought was wrong. And believe me, my socks were wet. I was sweating through my shoes uh, that day. But that next day when I sent that devotion out, I got so many positive responses, which really was an encouragement because I was really... I was like, oh my gosh, they may fire me. And I remember the battalion commander sending me an email reply. And the only negative reply I got back was from the battalion commander. And in capital letters, come and see me. And so I went to go see him. And uh, he just told me, you shouldn't send emails out like that. Don't talk to his leaders like that. You're right, chaplain. We shouldn't use God's name in vain. But our culture is a culture of profanity. And I told him, I said, sir, that's not right. And so we, he said, well, we'll disagree. We'll agree to disagree. But I appreciated him listening to me. But that was a spiritual challenge. And then the second one, when I served in the hospital at the burn ward there at Brook Army Medical Center, to see the trauma that a body can entail and the severe suffering that a soldier will go through and then the family goes through was a very spiritual challenge for me. Um, where is God in the midst of suffering, uh, deformity, uh, death? And God's always there, but to actually have to experience and be with somebody who's going through the most severe trauma they can go through and deformities, life-changing events, even if they survive, was a a honing experience for me spiritually as a pastor. And though that was very tough physically and spiritually, it was a good experience for me. Uh, every pastor, shepherd, needs to go through when their sheep, their flock are hurting or dying mm -hmm. or killed. And what words of wisdom or presence you can share uh, was a definitely a spiritual challenge but it, like like any challenge it was a good workout uh, it's one challenge that you never asked to go hey i just want to go be with somebody with them suffering or but when given that opportunity it was wonderful and just like a good workout 
it makes the body stronger. Uh, being in those ex those experiences, I think, made me stronger, and hopefully, was a blessing to the people I was with. Let me ask you a couple follow up questions. Um, so. Did you ever feel a, a pull as a chaplain? You were talking about the, the profanity. Did you ever feel a pull to, to go be one of the guys? Oh, no, because I had been one of the guys when I was an infantry guy the first time. So I... <laughs> You'd been down that road, I'd been seen down, that life. I'd been down that road and saw that life. Profanity for me, that wasn't a challenge for me, even with the infantry. But some of the other stupid things <laughs> I bought into the first three years as an enlisted guy. So uh, that wasn't so much the case um, as a chaplain. And you said you were at Brook Army Medical Center. When were you there? I did a, a year of clinical pastoral education from 2002 to three, and then I stayed on for my utilization through 2006. So from 2002 to 2006, uh, just thinking about what was going on during that time frame, mm -hmm. you had some very, very difficult years there, especially mm -hmm. uh, in, in Iraq. So you were you were there ministering to soldiers and families who had been wounded mm -hmm. during those times. Definitely, nine one one occurred while I was in Korea with an infantry unit, and I transferred out of that unit to do the CPE at Brook Army Medical Center. And so while I was in the hospital, 911 happened, Afghanistan campaign happened, excuse me, the Iraqi campaign. And so a lot of the soldiers who were wounded, injured, burned would come to Brook Army Medical Center. And so it was a great excuse me, a great opportunity for ministry. And at the same time, boy, talk about being antsy. Um, here were my brother, sister chaplains going off to war with their flock. And here I was. And so there was a tension, great ministry, but at the same time, I know for me personally, going into the Army, I wanted to be able to go with a unit and deploy into harm's way. And because a civilian can be a hospital chaplain. And so that time came and I had that opportunity, but it was a great ministry while I was there. So what would you tell chaplains <laughs> right now who have that same desire, yeah. but the, the environment across the globe is a little bit different right now than it was during the, the early years there, 2001 to, you know, well, up mm -hmm. until very recently. Yeah. Uh, one, I've been there and can understand that. And it's one thing to um, be in that first term chaplain's shoes and another thing to be in after 21 years. Uh, continue to do your job. Uh, some some of it's timing. Uh, senior chaplains are the ones who select chaplains to go to units that are deploying. And obviously we want to spread that opportunity around as situations arise. And But at the same time, even our division commander has said, what, us, what we chaplains do here in Garrison until we do deploy is just as important because we've got family members and soldiers. We're preparing them for combat. And so if we can only do ministry while in combat, then actually we're not helping because what about helping soldiers and families get ready for combat even when we don't know when that comes? At the same time, uh, like the good prophet, 
here I am, Lord, send me. And we want to do that. But I will tell you this, uh, our wives have a big, our spouses have a big influence on us. I know my wife Holly has on me. I one time, before 911 happened, I volunteered for a six month rotation to Egypt, to the MFO mission. And I came back and told my wife, and I was so excited because here was my opportunity to go deploy, be with troops close to the Holy Land. And boy, I really sold it to her. Hey babe, I'm volunteering for this unit to take them to Egypt. She said, oh, you're going to Egypt. And I said, yes, and it'd be a great chance to be close to the Holy Land. And she would repeat what I said. And I said, I get to be with these men while they're away from their families. And she said, you get to be with the men when they're away from their families? I go, yeah, I feel like God's really calling me. And then she said this, so you feel like God's calling you to be away from us right after I just had our baby. Oh, wow. And I went, uh, no. And she went, yes, you're volunteering. You didn't even ask me. Probably the reason you didn't ask me is because you knew I would give you a hard time about it. Oh, we got into, I shouldn't say a big argument because she won immediately. And, but that led to a great discussion. And she says, I will support you wherever Uncle Sam sends you. You already volunteered once. Don't volunteer again. Let Uncle Sam take you. And her words were very prophetic because a year later I got called to go to Korea for an unaccompanied tour. 911 happened. I've had lots of opportunities to deploy and I've had 48 months deployed away from family. And I can tell you the it doesn't get easier with each deployment, it gets tougher. Hmm. So uh, she, her words were very prophetic and that would be something I would share with every chaplain Get your family to buy in on it. And since then, I have deployed all those times, and my wife has been very supportive, and the kids. But the stipulation is I don't raise my hand and say, oh, I want to go, send me, send me. It has to be a unified effort. And um, it doesn't mean I don't try not to go, but it means we want to be available if Uncle Sam needs us. And I think maybe, too, that's one of those things where as chaplains, uh, the tendency might be to raise a hand, but we have to also trust that God is going to put us exactly where we need to be and for mm. that specific time and that unit and that mission. And uh, hopefully that's something that we as chaplains <laughs> learn to model. <laughs> Caleb, yeah, I, think you're, I think you're spot on. And that wasn't always my mentality when it came to that. Uh, when I got sent to Korea, that was my first unaccompanied tour, and I remember crying. In hmm. here, now I was finally facing an unaccompanied tour, and I remember crying with Holly. But then we had this lieutenant couple who had just returned from an unaccompanied tour. Uh, she had stayed back while her soldier went to Korea, and they were so positive about it, saying, yeah, we, we were separated for a period of time, but she said that she got to go see him in Korea, and that it actually helped their relationship grow. And so instead of complaining about a difficult situation, they were trying to highlight all the positive things. And Holly and I looked at each other and went, what a wonderful example. And so from that moment on, not that we didn't have tears because we missed each other, definitely we did, but it's like, let's make the most of this separation. And so I got to concentrate on unit ministry. Uh, she got to move back home to our hometown to be around family. And military kids don't get a chance to be around their grandparents a whole lot. Well, that one, tour provided that opportunity and so there was a blessing but it took somebody 
showing us an example. And I'd like to think we would have done good anyway, but I want to give credit where credit's due. <laughs> Thank Absolutely. God for that family who gave a good example. Absolutely. Well, sir, what was your, your toughest day or event in the chaplaincy? Probably in the hospital environment, uh, not only deployment. Deployments are very focused, or my deployments were very focused, ministry-driven, um, halfway around the world. But my most difficult time as a chaplain probably was in the hospital because not only did it challenge me spiritually, but even physically, um, going, making the rounds to the different places. The burn ward was kept at a high temperature in order to facilitate their recovery. And so that was challenging. And I remember we would go in and be at work from 7.30 until 4.30. And I remember I would always take my uniform off at the hospital and I would have a 30 minute drive home. And I needed that 30 minutes just to decompress. And even when I got home, I needed to go upstairs and just kind of cool out. I made sure to talk to the family, but it was more of a, hi folks, I'll be right back. And just 30 minutes just to veg out because it was tough being with so many people who were hurting and dying every day. And that, that's what a hospital is there for, is for healing, but sometimes it's where people die. And so that was a challenge, and that was probably the toughest part of, of the chaplaincy, and it wasn't even in a combat zone. Hmm. Well, what was your most rewarding day? <laughs> I think as far as a, re a rewarding day, let's, let's put it to, let's see, one day that was most rewarding. I would probably say on a deployment, which can be a very, you have a very captive audience going through a very difficult time. In a combat zone, people are trying to kill you and your peers. And so it's a very <laughs> opening experience but I think the most rewarding day, when I go back and look, is on this previous deployment to Afghanistan. Two of our soldiers were killed by a roadside IED. And they and their fellow soldiers who were in the vehicle that did survive were all brought to the hospital at Bagram. And by the time I arrived at the hospital, uh, the two soldiers had already been declared dead. But in the accident, there was so much diesel fuel that got thrown out that the two soldiers that were killed were covered. And as respects were being shown for their remains, they had to clean their bodies up and prepare them for, uh, to bring back to the United States. And, but because of the fumes, the personnel could not be in there help to clean very much because it, the fumes were just so bad, they opened up all the doors. And so I gowned up, having done CPE in the hospital at Bamsey, I gowned up and went in there with them. And and they know who I was. It helps to be 6'9". And, and plus I had talked to the staff before. And so to assist the staff in the preparation of the bodies, for me spiritually, reminded me of when Jesus 
body was prepared after his death and it was prepared for burial and they wanted to show all the respect they could and so as I was helping clean the bodies of these soldiers killed in combat um, who were broken and it was obvious there was no way they could have survived so there was that traumatic for me personally but then too to be there even with the medical staff they don't see injuries like that Mm-hmm. And plus with the fumes, it made people dizzy. And to be with them and to be present with them in the midst of a very uh, traumatic situation was probably one of the most rewarding experiences to have a ministry of presence and then to prepare those bodies and then to lead those bodies out to the transport while everybody lined up. and. That was very rewarding for me personally, but then to have those staff say, thank you, chaplain, for coming in. Because when you came in as a representative of God, we knew, we felt the presence of God. Not that I was God, but as a representative. And even for me, it spoke to myself, uh, thinking about those uh, disciples preparing the body of Jesus. I'm noticing that a lot of the a lot of the highlights of your career have been related to either CPE or that that hospital type of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, would you say that is a, a valuable thing for uh, <laughs> for chaplains to pursue? I would, and I'm biased. I went when I was in seminary. I did not think highly of CPE, clinical pastoral education. I thought that that was where potential ministers who could not preach, who could not be in ministry, they went and did that as a second or third option. And I was so wrong, not only personally for thinking that, but for other individuals, but to think of so lowly of a great education that CPE is. And once I took that in the Army, I was hooked. Hmm. Uh, For us in the Army, to me, there is no better training for chaplains than clinical pastoral education. Nowhere else does a chaplain is a chaplain given the opportunity to minister to people who are actually hurting or dying. Um, you can't get that from a PowerPoint. You can't get that from the schoolhouse there at Fort Jackson. But what the chaplain corps has provided is this opportunity. And then you're also in ministry, so you get the double hit. You're in ministry, but you're learning ministry as you do it. And I think what ranger school is to the infantry, CPE is to the chaplaincy. Ranger school is the most elite, most difficult, the best training for leaders. CPE is the most difficult, the most challenging training for chaplains. And I think it's wonderful. Well, what have you loved most about being a chaplain? (laughs) Um, My favorite part is not that I raised my hand saying, send me, send me, but when the Army has sent me, that's been my favorite part, going with soldiers when they're deployed away from family and being with them. I get to preach a whole lot more downrange. I get to share the gospel in that dynamic as a pastor. Not that I don't as a regular chaplain when we're not deployed, but it's just a very (laughs) target-rich 
environment, which I appreciate, and to be with soldiers when they're challenged. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's been my favorite part, um, bar none. Well, as the 3rd Infantry Division Chaplain, you have gotten to see uh, a lot of chaplains brand new to active duty come in, myself included. <laughs> so if you have a, a brand new chaplain sitting across from you and you could give them uh, some wisdom, some advice to help carry them through their career, what would you tell them? Well, one, each chaplain is so unique. I think I would tell any first-term chaplain, you come here with a specific skill set and experience and ordination, whether they're Catholic, Jewish, or Baptist. And so be a Baptist, be a Methodist, be a priest, be that representative of God per your endorsement. The Army's a great place to do that. Where else <laughs> in America do people, a part of this institution, gather and ask God's blessings when commanders change out or have a national day of prayer, they actually have a prayer breakfast and pray together and are proud and unashamed. And so for we as chaplains, be who God has called you to be. At the same time, be very humble and willing to learn. I've learned so much from my brother or sister chaplains which has been better than seminary. Uh, nothing against my seminary, but I've learned so much more theologically, culturally, by being in the army and open to other people's opinions and their faith and their own theology. It's helped sharpen mine and define my own relationship with God and Christ. And then, <laughs> for me, have fun. Uh, the chaplaincy is hard. They will send you away from your family they will put you in harm's way. And so have fun in the Lord and make the most of every moment. Don't um, discount your family because someday when you do get out of the army and walk across that parade field, you want your spouse uh, there at your side and your family. And that's not always the case with soldiers or, and even chaplains. Uh, at some point, the army chaplaincy or the army will say, it's time to go. And they'll even pay you a check to leave. And then you have the rest of your life. You want to make sure it's with those people that you love. And so you want to nurture those relationships in your family and take time, but then also to prepare for times when you're going to be away. And then on an administrative note, we wear the cross for us as Christian chaplains, but we also wear the rank of a staff officer. It's important to learn over time those staff skills that will help you integrate to be a part of the staff. We're not immune to the standards that the Army has, and so it's good to learn those best practices when it comes to administration. And then, and then lastly, <laughs> live off your income as a captain and don't spend all your money because someday you're going to have to get out and I know for Holly and I, we told ourselves as a captain, let's live off our captain pay. And if by the grace of God, we get a promotion or get a pay raise, we set that aside for savings. If you get promoted, set that aside for savings or giving. And then that way, by the time you are eligible to retire, you're used to living off a captain's salary 
And then when you get retirement, uh, you're good to go. So that's just a little financial advice at the end. I know that uh, <laughs> that captain salary, uh, from going from a, a small church pastor to a captain salary, I thought, man, this yeah. is this is good living right it here. It is. There's a scripture, I believe it's Proverbs 22, that talks about the um, a man's reputation is worth more than silver or gold. Hmm. And so the challenge for all of us chaplains is the the army takes care of us not only financially health wise but even as a culture and as a people and sometimes we can get high and mighty um, whether it be financially whether it be in the system we are whether it be living in gated communities uh, whether it be serving as the one percent um, the challenge is to, to be humble and to realize these blessings that we got and not to discount them or, or take them for granted because it can go away just as fast as we got it. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, sir, I've got one more question for you. What do you think are the biggest challenges facing chaplains and the chaplaincy in the future? Hmm. I think that the biggest challenge that we have in the chaplain corps is not externally, not from people saying, well, you can't talk in Jesus's name or I don't think it's budgets. I don't think it's authorizations. Commanders will always want a chaplain. The chaplain corps is the second oldest branch in the army. There's a reason why, because George Washington and every commander since 1776 has valued the role that religion plays in a soldier's resiliency. So the challenge is not going to be external. The challenge will be internal. For us as individual chaplains, staying spiritually strong, staying connected to our endorsement, staying connected to our faith in God, and living that out is going to be the biggest challenge. If our chaplains start to discount the role that we play or start to sugarcoat the message that we were being given, that's going to be the downfall of the chaplain corps and the resiliency, I think, of even the military. Um, we should not be swayed by what goes on in the culture around us. We should be the one bending the culture's will uh, by our love, our grace, by being professional. So that would be the biggest challenge I would see for the chaplain corps is who we bring in as we accession those and then encourage them to be the men and women of God that they've been called to be. And I think that that ties right back into uh, to what you've said throughout this, just being faithful to your calling. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, sir, uh, I sure appreciate you taking the time <laughs> to sit down with me today. It's been a pleasure. And, you know, I don't remember if I told you this or not, but your pending retirement was actually what inspired me to sit down and come up with this to give chaplains a, a venue to tell some of their stories uh, because i know sometimes those stories they kind of go unheard oh. and i wanted to to give chaplains an opportunity to share some of their stories so i really appreciate it sir oh well, you're very welcome and god bless you and your ministry and all the folks out listening as they uh, serve in theirs 
All right, well, this is Chaplain Caleb McCary. I've been talking to Chaplain Bill Killo, the 3rd Infantry Division Chaplain. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can find this podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search for Chaplain Stories. And if you like what you hear, share it with your friends. That's the only way to get the word out about this. So tune in next time as we sit down with another chaplain and uh, we hear more Chaplain Stories. Thanks for listening. Thunder and flame, wherever the call may be.